open up your books, you bad apples. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. I'm Lucas Nord. And I'm Cole Lang. Um, Halloween Day. What more appropriate time to record The Hellbound Heart Part 3, huh, Cole? No better time of the year. To, when I forecast, when I made the, when we made this uh, podcast, I said we're going to record Hellbound Heart Part 3 on Halloween. And that's, and that's how we're going to do it. I really respect you because I remember you really like uh, drilling that into my head too. You know what I mean? Like we're going to do uh, part three. It's going to be on Halloween and I, I didn't think we would actually do it, but here we are. Here we are. Yeah. That's incredible. What What is your plans for Halloween there? You know, um, I don't know if people are actually going out and doing things when I just so happen to be peeping out the front window last night um i saw a few trick-or-treaters making their way around but i don't know if people are actually going to be stopping off i i guess uh if just family shows up all their kids are getting half a bag of candy each (laughs) there you (laughs) go i'm fine with that and i think they're fine with that too what about you you got anything exciting going uh, not too much. I rode my bike around because it was uh, it was a beautiful day. It was beautiful. Wonderful. Day. It's like the hottest October slash November we've had. Well, Germany's had uh ever. Well, since like the sixties, I think, or something. But wow, there you go. Um, before we got rolling on part three here, could you perhaps give us a bit of a recap from our first two episodes of the series? Part one and two, we learned a lot. We learned a lot about relationships um, and sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is, that was beautiful. Uh, Wow. um, Sum it all up, you know, we have this Frank guy. He's been, he he wants lots, lots of pleasure. He made a deal with the devil the the ceno and oh yeah you know not a good lot of red flags but frank he was thinking with the wrong head one might say <laughs> um, <laughs> one might say that you're right one one might say and um let's see you know, and then he is living under the floorboards because they ripped him to shreds in another dimension. And then, and then Julia came over and she's like, "Oh, Frank, uh, I gotta rescue you." And she's doing that by murdering lots of dudes. That was part two. Part two was all about murdering dudes, bringing them to uh, Frank so he can gobble up their blood. Mm, and I don't want to. Uh, give a peek behind the curtain too much, but this episode may even involve a little bit of dude murder. Okay. Just in time for Halloween. Shall we? Let's go. Alrighty. Storming outside, Rory oiled up after a work-related party and still riding the high after being commended by a supervisor and promised a bright future with the company. Prize at Julia and her constant emotional distance. The fight is eventually broken up when a clatter is heard upstairs and Julia tries her best to convince Rory it's just the raging storm outside. <laughs> when it's obviously Frank up to his old tricks of 
making noise when he really should not be making noise. <laughs> he's like, he's um, like, uh, where did I leave my dang finger the other day? Uh. Seriously. <laughs> and he's like a, he's like a big old child too. You know what I mean? You can't leave him alone for two minutes. Um, probably shouldn't leave him alone for two minutes either. It's so obvious. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's so obvious that, uh, it, it's definitely like a human or something up there, and she's trying to play it off like, "Oh, it's just the lightning there, Rory." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Frank is uh, really not as inconspicuous as I think he should be, and I think Julia might want to invest in maybe one of those baby monitors or something like that. Ooh, you know what I mean? Be, then she that- knows what he's getting up to at any point of the day. But I mean, I don't know. That's just that- me. That was, those were probably, well, either one, not existent yet, or they were, and they were more expensive than an Apple computer. <laughs> um, while hovering outside the damp room with his hand gripped around the doorknob, Rory is only thrown from his train of thought when Julia, in a last-ditch effort, caresses his cheek and says she doesn't want him opening the door because she's frightened about the <laughs> ensuing thunder and lightning. She's just a, she's just afraid is all. You know she's what like, I mean? Roy is probably like, Julia, you've never been scared of thunder and lightning your entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Julia, you've never been afraid of anything in your entire life because you're a cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> uh, um, Rory. Rory, getting sentimental and touchy-feely with Julia, professes his need from her. And it's kind of interesting because Julia says, uh, after she hears that, that half a lifetime ago, hearing something like that would have made her heart skip a beat, you know what I mean? But now, it's just like, oh my god, yep, Uh, you can't live without me, it's garbage day tomorrow, wash the dog, yep, 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 yep. Which, you know, it's kind of interesting. The two of them eventually make what one could call love, um, Rory... You know, doing so for the both of them, pretty much. And Rory falls asleep right after he he finishes what he's doing. Hey, Um, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Julia can feel Frank's hateful gaze at the sight of the two of them uh, doing their thing, which is pretty weird, too. I guess Frank, I don't know if he can see through the walls or if she could just feel his presence, or maybe he just walked into the room. The scene in the movie is... Um, Frank walking out of the closet and then he, (laughs) one of the things he has in the movie is a switchblade that he pops out all the time. And in the movie, he walks out of the closet and skins a rat with the switchblade while Rory's, uh, humping on Julia, Mm. which is kind of weird. Yep. A little bit. Julia making no attempt to strip Rory since he's still like dressed up in all his work (laughs) stuff, uh, makes her way to Frank's room. He's a never nude. Yeah, he is a bit of a never-nude. Why not just leave him be? He's not hurting anyone. There's dozens of us. <laughs> dozens! <laughs> Julia enters and finds Frank staring out the window, watching the storm. Him removing the cover from the window is what made the initial kerfuffle in the first place, and that's why Rory, you know, was kind of obsessed with figuring out what was behind that door, but Julia thought quick... And yep, she uh, she thought on her feet real quick there. I guess <laughs> it's just thunder. mission accomplished. <laughs> um, uh, after I mean, during a little exchange here, Frank tells Julia that he wants a radio because he wants to know what's going on 
in the outside world and he wants bread and he wants preserved ginger and he wants another <laughs> dude to get all the blood from to suck out of like his mouth or whatever. He wants he wants to tune into the new hot thing which is Fox News. Fox News Radio. He's just he wants to figure out what is going on in merry old England, I think is where the book takes place. Probably. Oh, it is in England? I believe so. And oh, okay. appropriately too, um, takes place during the fall time. So once oh, again, nice. can you think of a more perfect part three or to record on Halloween itself? Hey, we plan this. Absolutely. The scene ends with Frank gazing out the window and stating that he didn't know that it was autumn. The next day, while Julia sets out to wrangle up the last man for Frank, Kirsty stakes out the house on Lodovico Street waiting for Julia to return. She's got her, like, ghillie suit on and her uh, military bucket hat, and she's got her super strength binoculars. She's just, well, she's waiting for Julia to come back with whatever she comes back from. Julia's new friend brings with him a wealth of personal information, not only including his full name, but his wife's name and his children's names. I believe it was Madi, Ethan, and I can't remember what the other kid's name was, but yeah, he just, he came swinging out the gate on Julia. Oh. She's like, hey, my name is, um, my, my name is Moonbeam. And he's like, oh, well, here's a picture of my entire extended family. <laughs> <laughs> Julia's like, this is going to be so hard. <laughs> yep. Halfway up the stairs to the accursed room, Julia's new friend, his name is Stanley, uh, has a religious relapse and decides that the atrocity they're about to commit will be witnessed by the big man himself. And when Julia tries to, like, calm him down by patting him on the shoulder or whatever, he flails out at her. Um, uh, and the man only stops after he hears a booming voice from above. You know. God himself? God, you know, this is this is the stage where I'm at. I I I feel for this guy, really. Stanley and I were like two <laughs> peas in a pod. I just can't One get past same. God watching me when I'm about <laughs> to kiss a girl. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> That's a very good point. I mean, yeah. you, you know, exactly. it's, not, it's not my incompetence. It's just I'm a man of God. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's exactly what it comes down to. And I respect I respect that you could just say that to whoever decides to listen. To this thing. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Frank, creeping out of the damp room, makes way for the man and is um, stronger than any natural man, Julia says, because... After the guy tries to wiggle free and screams a little, Frank wrenches his jaw off. Which is the term used in the book. Uh, it sounds pretty self-explanatory, but it is also a very interesting way. Wrenching the jaw off. Just think about that one for a second. Ouch. Yeah. Am I wrong? How, how's he supposed to do his prayers now? <laughs> Honestly. Ah. Um, Kirsty waiting anxiously outside notices the abrupt end to the second shout that old Stanley just made when he got his jaw wrenched off and starts considering what the heck she's going to do. she going to go to the police? she going to go to Rory's workplace? Is she going to walk right into the house? Is she going to burn the house down from the outside? I mean, she could really do anything, you know, but she's got to think quick either way. She's got to think on her feet. Cole, 
let's t- tell me that uh, tell me what you're gonna do if you're Kirsty in this exact situation right here and right now, buddy. Well, I, I've been thinking about this, uh, and you go in, you bring in the Bible, you just mm-hmm. say the power of Christ, or what is the the thing? The power of, of Christ compels you. That the power and, of Christ compels you, uh, or like uh, on Nathan for you, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> <laughs> that dude exercised the hell out of um, old Sue Storm or whatever her name was. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic four character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we get him, even though I'm pretty sure Nathan Fielder has announced that he has passed, unfortunately. Uh, oh but. yes, that is true. I did hear about that. Um, if anybody wants something, that's the craziest thing in the world to watch. Nathan for you is on Hulu, I think. Yes. And, um, wow. That show is a sight to behold. That's for sure. Kirsty, thinking quickly, makes her way to the back door and, um, there's a gate she passes on the way and that she leaves open to just in case. The back door is unlocked, luckily. Julia doesn't expect anyone to be coming around, even though Kirsty did just stop by the day before, unannounced. But I guess Julia's probably got other stuff on her mind. She seems pretty busy. Yeah. Kirsty makes her way upstairs and notices that the door to the actual bedroom stands ajar. Ooh. Uh, so, you know, where else is Julia getting down and dirty with this random guy uh, Kirsty saw her walk in with? Mm. Um, hearing a, hearing a cry from the damp room, Kirsty bolts into the bedroom and sees a familiar figure exit onto the landing. The figure being old Stanley. Um, Uh-oh. but the thing is, unfortunately, the only way she recognizes him is by his whatever, like cornflower blue tie, because she says that since seeing the man moments before, He's been overtaken by a horrible wasting disease, and he's all, like, mangled, and he's pretty much just a bag of bones shambling on a pair of legs. Oh, man. You know... Which is pretty (sighs) icky. Oh, yeah, no jaw, too. Yeah, and it's just kind of... This is a little bit vile, and but, you know, it's like... Oh, yeah, by the way, sorry, Cole, just a sec here. By the way, this episode's going to get a little explicit. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, really. Just wanted to let everyone know. Really being thrown off by the amount of violence in this one here. Uh, Right. But it's just like when you're eating your chicken wings. You know, you don't Mm. don't leave meat on the bone. That is rule number one. Absolutely. And uh, Frank, I I just unlimited boneless wings Tuesday or whatever at your local B Dubs. Frank would be there. Oh, wonderful. See, yeah, he just, I I do respect uh, someone that doesn't mind really just digging in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder if he's a flats or drums kind of guy. Mm, I got to I gotta say that he's probably a, a drums kind of guy. You know, he always wants the most of what he can get. And I think that drums are giving you the most meat, even if, in my opinion, it isn't the most choice meat between the two. Ooh, very well put. I don't. I don't want, and I don't want to go starting any like um, internet wars out there. You know what I mean? I don't want the I don't want the flats boys and the drumheads 
going to war with each other. You know what I mean? You get <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Um, thing. Watching Frank viciously finish the man off, Kirsty makes a run for it and hides for a short time before Frank's like, Sop. You tried to hide, and sorry, dude, but I for sure found you, uh, gotcha. which is kind of a bummer. Yep, yep, gotcha. They have a brief exchange, and Kirsty recognizes the voice coming from the corrugated beast as Rory's. Because, you know, Rory and Frank are brothers. Yep, and yep. Rory, if, if anyone forgot, Rory's a bit of a dweeb compared to Frank being a completely reprehensible sex maniac. Yep. Um, the only difference between Rory's voice and the one coming from this skinless monstrosity is this one is gruff and demanding compared to Rory's more soft, you know, blah, blah, blah. compared to um, Frank's. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I think you put it best in the last. I think you put it best in the last episode when um, you said Frank before and after having his blood was. Julia, give me some blood. And then after it, being like, Julia, I want my blood. Yeah, um, I think for, that's how it was put best. Picture something like that. Rory, he's just like, oh, Julia, why are you bringing all these boys in my house? I ain't them like a chicken wing. <laughs> yeah, what is what is going on here, guys? I mean, I mean, I can't leave you alone for five minutes, it doesn't seem like. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's uh, Julia, high sex drive. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make a run for it. Uh, Kirstie's quickly captured by Frank and brought to where else but the damp room. While face to face, Frank brings out his uh, one of his more famous quotes from the movie where he says, Come to daddy. <laughs> oh, um, and tells Kirstie who he is. Since she recognized the voice, but couldn't quite put two and two together, and um, he says, hey, it's it's me, it's Frank, you remember, you know, we met that one time, uh, right before the wedding, and um, Frank didn't actually remember that, but they recognized, or after cluing her in, they recognized each other, and Kirsty knows that she saw him one time in her life, and she hated him. Right from the get. And good, that good. doesn't sound... Yeah, right? Good gut instinct. Yeah, yep. Uh, she saw the big dragon tattoo on his back. I don't know. In the movie, he does have a big old fake dragon tattoo on his back. Uh, which oh, I guess yeah. just goes to show that he's a bit of a rough rider. Yep, just like... Um, what is it? Yeah, just like the Hannibal movie. Uh, what? Red Dragon or something. Oh, yes. Red Dragon, of course. Um, I read the book for Red Dragon, speaking of spooky subjects, and the killer in that book actually has, like, uh, he's got the dragon tattooed on his back and the tail, like, wrapping down around his leg. He was he was really committed to that thing, man. Yeah, I've heard of those are good books. Yes, I, I enjoyed Red Dragon. I have... Silent to the Lambs, but I haven't picked it up yet. Um, feeling around in the dark room, Kirsty interestingly finds a heavy metal box. Right before this, I had to mention that um, Kirsty and Frank have a little bit of a grapple, and Kirsty scratches at his face, and in the book it's described as like her scratching at like meat jelly. I remember that. Oh, yeah. man. Ugh. But Which he is, is very accurate. strong. 
Yes, he is very strong, like we said. Something about how uh, how fresh his blood is. Getting it straight from the source has made him strong enough to rip people in half and things like that, obviously. Yeah. So, his, uh, oh, man. Instead of your blood vessels being uh, dilated, you know, he's just bloody all over. So it gives him, he's like... got super blood. Yeah. <laughs> um... Kirsty threatens to attack Frank with the heavy metal box, and Frank is immediately like, whoa, do not do anything with that box. I, there's no reason that I don't, or there's no reason that I want you to put it down right now and forget you ever picked it up, but just do that, and we'll just get this over with. It's not that big a deal. And interestingly enough, too, up to this point, um... I guess they're only picking dudes out for Frank because they have more blood. But, uh, yeah, Frank has not devoured a woman, which is kind of interesting. That seems like something that he'd be interested in doing, don't you think? Yeah, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Julia, she hasn't uh, gotten too desperate yet. And uh, right. Oh, right. Yep. They're still in their fledgling state. Yeah, she's got plenty of dudes lined up. Yes, she does. Um, not wanting to relinquish her only survival tool. Uh, but, you know, obviously noticing the tension in Frank's voice when he <laughs> says to hand it over uh, in the book. Frank's like, give me that. And Kirstie's like, it's kind of goofy because Kirstie's like, say please, because she knows that he really wants this thing. <laughs> and so he does say please. And then she throws it out the window and Frank tries to chase it, and, you know, it's already out the window and in the street by the time he gets to the window, but he, I mean, maybe he does have superhuman strength after sapping all those dudes dry, too. Um, can't honestly say for sure, but uh, that distracts Frank long enough for Kirstie to actually make a run for it. Hell she, yeah. She slips through the corrugated mummy hands of Frank Cotton. She's, uh, uh to, she's great. She, Yep, she lives to see another day. She, honestly, it's kind of hard to say who is the main character in the movie or the book because we have a very small cast. We got Rory, Frank, Julia, and Kirstie, and you would almost say Frank is the main character, I think, because he gets the most screen time, but Kirstie's like your underdog, kind of, because in the book she's meek and shy. She's a little more like headstrong in the movie but um yeah it's kind of hard to pin that down in the book here but i like kirstie she's pretty cool i think hell yeah she is waking up in an unfamiliar white room later kirstie finds that she's been brought to a hospital or made her way to a hospital but she is not entirely sure the only thing she's sure of is uh that the doctor pulls out the Lemurcon configuration from his pocket. And mm. he's like, what's with this thing? Because you had a death grip on it when you made your way in here. And she's like, oh, I don't know. But it's because she actually doesn't know. Yeah. Um, I suppose, I suppose she may be traumatized from, you know, seeing a man be, murdered to death by Frank, and then the sight of Frank is probably enough to frazzle a few people, you know? Oh, definitely. But the doctor, he's probably like, uh, you know, (laughs) I tried to solve this Rubik's Cube, and 
saw a bunch of crazy, <laughs> crazy skin uh, guys, guys that would, you know, <laughs> one with a couple me the doctor and... solved it in his mean, uh, in the meantime. Yeah. Hey, doctors are smart. <laughs> but, but what do you think? How do you think that exchange looked? Can you kind of picture that? <laughs> Him talking to Pinhead? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> now you got me thinking. <laughs> uh, here's what the I doctor's think. doctor's like, oh, wow. <laughs> the doctor goes up to Pinhead, and he's like, we need Pinhead. to perform surgery again on you immediately. <laughs> you got uh, hemorrhage, <laughs> you're bleeding here. <laughs> like, you're bleeding. Uh, you have what we call 100% bleeding. <laughs> <Yeah>. Here. <laughs> did, you want, Just, did you want us to take those nails out? <laughs> no, no. Do you, uh, we have to ask your permission, but we can get some a- anesthesia here, and uh, we'll uh, knock you out and get those <laughs> pins out of here real quick. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if Pinhead would uh, have, like, what is it called? Anesthesia? Anesthesia? Anesthesia, he, yeah. Yeah, I can't figure out if he would have that for breakfast or if he would have no use for this stuff, actually, because we were talking about the Cenobites drinking the gallon of piss and, you know, mixing it with cyanide or whatever. Um, Yeah, it's little things. There's there's so many questions that the book just unfortunately leaves out that we have to leave up to our imagination to figure out for ourselves. And now that's fun. That's fun. Uh, while uh, Kirstie's waking up in the hospital room and, you know, eyeballing this mysterious puzzle box, Frank and Julia have a lover's quarrel where she tells Frank he nearly screwed the pooch on the whole murdering people to get their life essence thing. And he <laughs> assures her that he'll be in ship shape in no time. And they'll be able to go out dancing, baby. That is his specific example. <laughs> oh, um, man. But, like, I don't know. I, I understand how his musculature and, you know, veins are growing back. That all makes sense to me. But I'm not really entirely sure where he's going to get this skin from. He needs skin, you know? He can't just walk around in a trench coat wrapped up like a mummy his whole life, which... Um, for those unaware, he has been wrapped up like a mummy this whole time ever since he could feel his nerves exposed to the air at the end of part two. Yeah. Um, and Julia, I'm just wondering, did you think this murdering was, would stop? Like, did you think this was going to be a normal, uh, relationship? (laughs) Like, yeah, it's like, come on. Did you really think you'd be riding into the sunset and living a normal life after this? What are we doing here? You got to divorce Rory first. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) And I am positive that once Frank gets his skin and they finish their business, the first thing she'll do is head to the courthouse with Rory. Uh, sit him down for a frank discussion and they'll (laughs) sign the papers right then and there with no hurt feelings either way frank's just waiting there with like his skin (laughs) off and he's like julia just sign the paper (laughs) sign the paper julia (laughs) frank uh, rory don't take it personal (laughs) (laughs) you should know better than anyone that um the heart wants what it wants. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting back to the hospital room, Kirstie has completely forgotten her predicament from earlier and tries to solve the puzzle box. I'm not entirely sure how long it took Frank to in the beginning of the book. Um, I think we said that it might have taken, like, days or weeks or something like, like that. Weeks. But 
Kirstie's a smart cookie, and she solves it uh, right off the bat. And the old Cenobites roll up, and they're like, hey, dude, you... Uh, what does he say in the movie? He says, the box, you solved it, we came, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And they're Cenobites, so they could mean that last one both ways. Who's to Ooh. really say? Yeah. Um, don't want to get too explicit here. They want to take Kirsty back with them. They're like, hey, you solved it. We showed up, dude. And we really want to tear your soul apart for the rest of eternity, if you don't mind. Not too promising of an offer, honestly. And, like, does anyone really expect this to happen if they solve a Rubik's Cube? Yep, uh, happened it, to me a few times. That's why I'll never solve a, a Rubik's Cube. That's I'm, just a time or two, though, you know? Yeah. Um, got got to jump back in the book here, too. Actually, something I forgot to mention. There is one specific detail that actually lets Kirsty see that the puzzle box is a puzzle box, apart from just being a smooth cube. Um, it's filled with dry blood, and that outlines the tiny cracks inside or on the surface of the Lemurcon configuration. I just thought that was an important detail. Maybe, maybe it wasn't spattered in blood when Frank got it, because I believe Kirsty actually does whack him a time or two with it. Go Kirsty! Hell yeah! Uh, they explain that you know, even though she solved the puzzle through ignorance. She still owes them that big old juicy soul. Um, and once again, being a quick thinker, she's like, hey, how about uh, instead of taking me with you, I reunite you with your old buddy, Frank Cotton, because I know exactly where he lives. I just saw him yesterday, dude. <laughs> They're um, like, oh, yes, the one that got away. We love Frank. <laughs> the one that got away. And the Cenobites, um, they're like... I mean, I know for sure in the movie they're like, no, we know where Frank is. We just got done torturing him last week. And uh, Kirstie's like, nah, I just saw him yesterday. Maybe it was hours ago. I don't know. I just woke up in this hospital room randomly. I honestly couldn't tell you. That's what Kirstie's saying. Uh, and um, she throws him under the bus and says, I'll take you right to him. And then you can leave me be and we'll just part ways. Back at the house on Lodovico Street, Julia tells Rory they have a lot to discuss as she leads him to the damp room. Oh, no. Um, nothing uh, conspicuous there, I would say. Nope. Do you agree with that? She yeah. just had to, like, uh, <laughs> finally touch him to get uh, to keep him from going into that room, and now she's bringing him in, holding him by the hand, you know? Yeah, he's finally gonna get what he's been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> having having left the hospital, Kirsty makes her way back to the house to be greeted by Julia at the front door. Pressing Julia, Kirsty demands to see Rory and is led to a different room and finds Rory just kind of uh hanging out, sitting at a table. Oh. Um looking a little worse for wear. He's got dried blood on his face and his hairline, but um, otherwise he's just, like I said, he's just kind of doing his thing. He's looking um, good, feeling better. I believe him. And Rory confesses to Kirsty that he and Julia destroyed his awful, terrible brother because it just had to be done. This is great. I'm not really sure why Julia had this change of heart at this point in the book when we're just about done with it, but... 
you know, who says there's no such thing as a happy ending, huh? Uh, stay tuned. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, everything here is completely fine, but then all of a sudden, for some reason, old Rory says to Kirsty, uh, come to daddy, which uh, was not Rory's catchphrase, unfortunately. Not something and Rory was known for saying. He's not vile like this. No, not right, exactly. And, um, things start clicking for Kirsty here. Mostly, you know, the fact that uh, Frank and Julia killed Rory and skinned him. And that explains, you know, the dried blood on the face and the hairline. They just, they couldn't be bothered to clean it off, you know? Uh, how could he do this, Frank? This is just, this is the worst brother ever. He is the worst <laughs> brother ever, you know? I mean, just give him an inch and you'll take a mile, you know what I mean? I bet Rory even offered him, oh, you know, I, I got a nice suit in there you could wear for a while. And then Frank was like, I want a little more than your suit, buddy. You can just um, take my but, hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Get rid of just those golden little baby hairs sticking out from up top there. Uh, Ooh, gross. man. Struggling with Julia, Kirsty narrowly avoids an incoming stab to the ribs from Frank. His poor aim just leads that knife right into Julia's side. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Frank didn't want to kill Julia. Um, but he did. I mean, I guess she's not quite dead yet, but, um, <laughs> his eyes are on the prize, I guess, because he doesn't pay a lot of attention to her, uh, yeah. after, after sticking this kitchen knife into her ribs. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if it's like, uh, when he puts on Rory's skin, if it's like that scene from Django where they got the masks on and they can't see out of the holes and, uh, he can't see out of like Rory's eye holes here. Oh, oh Frank. <laughs> <laughs> people have brought that up before too like with michael myers's mask how he probably wouldn't have very good depth perception just because of how tiny the eye holes are and stuff like that um very good observation um i try and frank obviously we've kind of seen that he's a man of opportunity so since he already stuck this knife into julia's side he just decides real quickly that while she tries to let out a scream, he just uh, wraps his mouth around hers and saps her of her life energy. Um, you know, typical Frank. Have yeah. we come to expect much else? Frank is uh, not a fan. I can say that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, honestly. Wasn't a fan of Julia, but, you know, she was kind of you know, <laughs> twisted into this lifestyle. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently. Rory's um, Rory's love was just too much for her, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> or not enough. <laughs> Ooh, very nice. Leading Frank to the damp room, Kirsty, being the quick thinker she is, realizes the Cenobites are watching but are not interfering because they think that uh, Frank's actually Rory or something like that. <laughs> I'm not really sure how that works because it seems like they would know things better. Like, why don't they just go check uh, Frank's, like, cubicle or wherever they got him at? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, is Frank here? Because we know he's here, but I don't know. They're just kind of – maybe they they just enjoy watching what's going on right now. It seems like it would be quite the sight to behold. Yeah, I know like, it is in the movie. 
yeah, they're like these, you know, very powerful beings, but they can't tell that um, this the skin costume that Frank's in isn't, oh. isn't the actual Frank here. Uh, skin but, costume. Yeah. Oh. Happy Halloween. <laughs> uh, Happy Halloween. <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of just kind of funny. Like um, they, they should be able to figure this out, but like you said, it it might be. They're kind of dirty tricksters here, so they yeah, they they kind exactly. of know what's going down. Kirsty tricks Frank into confessing his name, and the Cenobites finally step out from their dimension to uh, just fill Frank's well, I guess Rory's skin with a bunch of big old metal hooks that are not only are they sticking into his skin, but they're all pulling in uh, opposite directions. Which I mean, it's already bad enough just having him in there in the first place, you know, but. Insult yeah. to injury. They really got to kick him while he's down, I guess. Um, Frank, uh, once again, never skipping out on, op- uh, on an opportunity to be a scumbag, uses his last seconds on Earth to, like, flick his tongue out at her across his teeth and stuff like that, you know? Like oh. the little bit You know what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> Just disgusting. <laughs> and then... Uh, yeah, right. Uh, in the movie, he says, Jesus wept. And absolutely uh, just um, a very without a cool doubt. scene. Probably my favorite quote in the whole movie. And it's got a whole bunch of them that I like. And um, that line was improvised by the actor, which is kind of fun. Did you just see that on Reddit today? <laughs> no, I, I just saw I, that. On I saw that like on Reddit years minutes ago. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, uh, no, that's. Uh, Clive Barker hated it, but then he actually loved it at the end. Right. Yep. But it, it's actually really interesting because he's going through all this suffering and he's like, Jesus is kind of a wuss for uh, complaining about his time on the cross. Like he's Is is that what he's saying, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Because wow. he's, like, he's like, bring me back. I can't escape this. Uh torture that i love uh and jesus you know he should have loved it too almost i thought he was just being strangely cryptic i guess that's very interesting that's how i interpreted it sure i gotcha the quote after this specific part in the book is that uh frank then came unsown which is once again a pretty gnarly way to phrase something Mm -hmm. um that's all right though Kirsty passes what she thinks is old Julia, who is now wearing her wedding dress for some reason, and she's pleading for help. She passes her on the way out of the house, but uh, it just turns out to be another Cenobite called the Engineer, who's just, like, fiddling with Julia's corpse, I guess. I don't know if he put the dress on her, but um, that must have been a sight to behold. Yeah, weird. (laughs) Yep. Immediately after making her way out the door... Kirsty is bumped into by a stranger who just so happened to have passed a metal cube into her hands. Uh, luckily for, luckily for Kirsty, actually, the old Lemurcon configuration got nice and clean since the last time she had it. Because, you know, the creases were all filled with dried blood and crap like that. And that's what this dude just handed off to her for whatever reason. And gazing at the shiny surface... Kirsty sees the faint resemblances of Frank and Julia on separate sides of the box, but upon further inspection, sees no sign of Rory. With Good. a hopeful thought, with a hopeful thought, 
Kirsty sets out in hopes to one day be reunited with the only other person in the book who wasn't completely reprehensible, um, that being Rory. Yeah. Because he is not inside the configuration. But, Good. you know, still dead, so I'm not sure what she plans on doing. <laughs> and that is where we will end with Clive Barker's The Hellbound Heart. What wow. are you thinking about, Cole? That was just a lot of fun. This was a, a heck of a ride, a violent, dark, dungeon-esque, uh, I just coined that word. Um, Very nice. Uh, book, but yeah, that ends our series on this, and we, we know it's a little bit past Halloween, but you know, we're, we're humans, and we can't we can't put this stuff out uh, perfectly on time, but it's still, you know, it's just like Christmas. You, you can't tear down the Halloween <laughs> decorations quite yet. And uh, right. Yeah. So th- this is your little thing you got to listen to before you tear down those uh, Halloween things. We uh, we spent a lot of time in the damp room over the last couple of weeks. That's for sure. Yeah, but just like Frank, we're ready to get out. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Unfortunately, though, well, I guess it isn't unfortunate. Um, Frank's probably right where he belongs, I would say. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, he's in his own personal hell slash heaven. Uh, Julia, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, still... Still, like, you know, she's in this too, but she's definitely not going to have fun down there, you know? No, probably not. Nope. It'll be forever. But, yeah. Um, how did you think this compares to the movie? It's like, it's almost like shot for shot. Uh, right, exactly. Other than, a few, other than a few character changes and stuff like that, they are very, very similar. And I think every change in the book... I won't say it was for the better because I like everything in the movie and stuff like that, but I will say every change is a welcome one. Like I said, with Doug Bradley actually using his voice compared to the female one in the book and stuff like that. I just think that they're both very good pieces. You know what I mean? Yeah, both um, have a huge influence on horror, especially the movie but i mean without the book we wouldn't have it and clive barker you know he's definitely directed horror into the the realms it is today in some ways as well so he's the man very fun Uh, yeah i'd love to read more stuff that he's done because this was honestly uh one of the best horror uh books i've read wonderful with that though Follow us on the Instagram at the Bad Apple Book Club. Yep. Ask yep, us yep, about yep. our business cards because Ooh. that is a thing now. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we're sick of putting our toes in the water. We are a business. Um, yeah, and we're ready to go worldwide here. Yeah, and. Yeah, t-shirts are on the way. We're getting the designs finalized here, so be on the lookout for that. Be and on the lookout for that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And be on the lookout for our next series, which is going to be on the Catcher in the Rye. J.D. Salinger. Yep, the man himself from uh, BoJack Horseman. J.D. Salinger, writer of... 
other books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't Alrighty, seen that show in so long. But. Yeah, right. Um, alrighty, though. Uh, everyone out there, have a good time. And go vote, please. Goodbye. Go vote. You call me. Of course. You know. Oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>